what a privilege, what an honor to be here with you today. As you can tell, I came prepared. Right? You guys are wondering what in God's name is happening in this church. The pastor is getting weirder and weirder. Listen, I heard that we've been in a series about the kingdom of God. And so I came prepared today. I came prepared today. You'll understand why in a second. We've been in a series entitled Upside Down. And what we've been learning is specifically about the kingdom of God. We've been looking at this from a different perspective because the reality is that the kingdom of God is not something that's pie in the sky. The kingdom of God is not about just blessing you and about adding to your life and about improving you and about increasing you and about opening doors for you. The kingdom of God is actually about something so much more. Jesus did not come to improve our old way of life. Jesus did not come to bless our old way of thinking, our old way of being. Jesus did not come to fit the kingdom of God into our box. He actually came to turn our lives completely upside down. Go ahead and tell somebody. Tell three people, it's not about me. Tell somebody else. Come on, tell some other people. It's not about me. It's not about me. See, me in, the, in this Bible, in, in this Bible, me in this world is about us. And Jesus didn't come to make the kingdom of God about us. He actually came to make our lives about his kingdom. He came to turn them around, completely upside down. He came to give us an entirely new life, not in addition to our old one. And so today we're going to be examining a parable in the scriptures, one that's going to teach us specifically how the kingdom of God is intended to turn our lives upside down by transforming us, by transforming us. I don't know about you, but I don't want the old me. And I don't want old ways of thinking. I don't want old attitudes. I don't want old experiences from church. Hear where I'm coming from with this. I'm not knocking the church. But what I'm saying is for some of us, we're so stuck in the past that we can't move forward with God. Right? And so we're going to be looking at a parable that really teaches us about how the kingdom of God functions, how it brings us to this place of transformation, how it turns our world upside down so we could be on the right side of up, right? And it also is going to teach us the part that we play as participators with God's plan in causing us to grow. I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 4. These are the words of Jesus. I want to stress that. These are the words of Jesus. These are not Jose's words. These are the words of God himself in the form of a man incarnate. Jesus himself, God speaking, says, it says, And when the great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. He said, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. But others fell, listen closely, on good ground. I'm sorry, and, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it, and it choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
And I want us to take at face value, and personally, I want to invite you to join me in taking God at his word. He who has ears to hear today, hear what the word of God is to you. Amen? Amen. I feel appropriate to pray. Father, thank you for this divine opportunity, this divine appointment that we have with you. One way you speak to us directly from your word. Father, I thank you that it challenges us. Father, I thank you that it enlightens us. Father, I thank you that it gives us vision for what we are to do from this point forward. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you teach us, you lead us, and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So look, parables, parables were stories. They were stories that Jesus used for one express purpose. They were stories that he used to reveal truth concerning God's kingdom, concerning the ways of God. And listen, they were concealed from the natural mind of men. Now, I want you to understand what that means. That means that naturally, superficially, we cannot understand them. In other words, it requires us going deeper. It requires us desiring to go further beyond what we simply hear. And so I want you to consider from this scripture that there is an invitation to the power that God's kingdom can unleash in our lives. That God is not withholding anything from us. Consider that God wants to impact your life in the same way that seed impacts the ground. Think about this. The Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus uses seed and ground to reveal to us how the kingdom of God works, how it produces growth in our life. But it's important to note that for that impact to take place, the dirt has to cooperate with the seed. I want to talk to you today from the heart of God on the topic, digging dirt. Digging dirt. We're going to dig some dirt. We're going to sift some things around. Now, some of you are saying he's going to pull dirt out of somewhere. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'd like to. I should have, right? But it would get really dirty in here because you know anything about me, Pastor Jose is excessive, right? He goes way out, right? I want to talk to you on digging dirt. You know, this parable is commonly referred to in Christian circles as the parable of the sower. Some of you, you read in your Bible and you see that it says the parable of the sower and you think that that was actually written in the word of God. That's a label that was given by authors, by men that, you know, piece together the scriptures to give us direction. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to submit to you that closer review of this parable, if we just think about what we just heard, tells us that this is really the parable of the good soil. This is a parable about soil. See, while we see the power of the seed in this parable, what we see also is that the condition of the dirt is of equal importance. That without the conditions of the dirt being right, the seed cannot accomplish its intended purpose. Therefore, we must pay close attention and realize that the seed here is God's word. The sower here is God. The dirt here is our heart and our lives. And that tells us something. The condition of our hearts 
and lives determines the impact of God's kingdom, that God's kingdom will have in us. I need to read that again. The condition of our hearts and lives determines the impact God's kingdom will have in us. So if we want the full benefits of God's word, if we want the full benefits of God's purposes, if we want all that the scripture says is true and possible, if we want to be vessels in the hands of God, if we want to see the kingdom of God advance, if we want to see people come to Christ, we must understand that it starts with the dirt. Starts right here. It's why I came prepared today. It's why I came prepared today. Now, the disciples had no understanding of this parable. Would you hold that for me, sir? You could set that down or something. Whatever you want to do. Thank you. We might use that again. Just be ready to dig some dirt with me. The disciples had no understanding of this parable. The people had no understanding of this parable. It sounded really groovy, really cool, really spiritual, but nobody understood. And so the disciples asked Jesus, why don't you speak to the people in parables? And Jesus said, because, hey, there are some that hearing they don't hear. But what I'm revealing to them is the condition of their hearts, the condition of their lives. And they said, well, could you explain it to us? And Jesus went on to explain it to them. He went on to give them great understanding as to what this parable is all about. I don't want to add to the words of Jesus. I simply want to read them. It says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. We're in Matthew 13, 18. The reason why I wanted to turn the book of Matthew is because Matthew's uh, perspective on the Gospels is portraying Jesus as king. As king. In a kingdom. And so he says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, and immediately he receives it with joy. And yet he has no root. In himself but endures only for a while for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word immediately 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 he stumbles now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful I want you to notice that this person is bearing fruit and becomes unfruitful but he who receives seed on the ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold some 60 some 30 I want you to notice friend that the sower is God and the sower spreads his seed, which is the truth revealed in his word. He sows it generously. He sows it to all. He goes sowing it everywhere. 
He's not moved nor deterred by the condition of the ground. No, he sows it wherever he goes. He's sowing it always, generously. Which tells us something that the issue in receiving the promise and the blessing and what Jesus reveals about God's kingdom, the, pro- the issue with not receiving it is not with the seed or the sower. It's with the dirt. It's with the dirt. The issue is with the dirt. The issue's not with the seed. The issue's not with the sower. My friend, God is not your problem. God is not late. God is not lacking. God is not dormant. God is not deaf to you. God is not ignoring. My friend, I pray that you would simply consider this. The issue's with the dirt. Let me ask you a question. A question for all of us. And I want you to be honest with yourself. How's your dirt? How's your dirt? What are the conditions of your heart and your life? What do they say? Is it good ground? I think that it warrants that we should examine further the scriptures. Not for the purpose of pointing fingers at ourselves or anyone, but simply to dig into our dirt and be real. This is not one of those messages where you want to leave here and tell somebody, you dirty. (laughs) You missed the whole point of the message, my friend, if that's how you leave here today. How's your dirt? Right? So let's take a look at this dirt for a second. It's important to understand the conditions. The Lord Jesus gave us uh, great insight into this. I just want to dig into it a little bit more. He refers to the hard ground, and this is the person who does not understand the truth. But I submit to you that un- not understanding the truth is not the issue because we all started without understanding of the truth. So the issue isn't that we don't understand the truth. The issue is we don't seek to understand it further than what we've heard. Are you hearing where I'm coming from? The hard ground is the person who hears the truth but makes no attempt to seek the truth out further. The understanding is all based at surface level. Look, they may dress the part of a farmer. They may look like they know what they're doing. They may talk a good one. Trust me, I've been there. I've played the part well over the years. Been there. But at some point, we got to get past the surface. We got to get past the surface. See, if we do not seek to understand the truth, then my friend, the reality is that the only reason why your heart is your, your, your heart and your life is hard ground. Notice that the scripture says that that hard ground is trampled ground. And the person who trampled on that is not anyone else. It's us. When we stay at the surface, we trample our hearts. And we stop the flow 
of God's seed in our life. Hard ground. That's the hard ground, right? So what we see is that while God is still supplying seed to the hard ground, Satan has the right to steal it because it never took hold. The stony ground, the stony ground is the person who welcomes the truth into their life. They rejoice at the promise the seed holds. It's forgiveness, blessing, peace, new life. But the truth does not take root because when troubles come and resistance comes to the hope that you have, you falter. The stony ground is the person who endures in the truth as long as everything is good. As long as I'm good and I'm blessed and I'm happy and I'm joyful and I'm living my best life, as long as everything looks good, feels good, I'm treated good, I'm perceived good, I'm made felt to be good, it's all good. It's a stony ground. Stony ground. Then the Lord Jesus talks to us about the thorny ground. This is the person who believes the truth. And notice that the thorny ground, the seed actually begins to take root and produce fruit. According to the Lord Jesus, this is the person who believes the truth. They allow it into their heart, but there's mixture. There's mixture because while we hold to the truth, we also keep tears in our life. Things that are meant to kill, steal, destroy. Sound familiar? The Lord Jesus equates them to thorns. And these thorns, he identifies them as those things that are cares for the ways of this world. In other words, I still want to do that. I still think that way. It's still okay to act that way. It's still okay to, to, to live life this way. It's still okay. That's all okay. All these things are important. This is what the world is all about. This is, this is life. And what we're doing is holding on to the ways of this world. The problem is that when you hold on to the ways of this world, by default, you reject the ways of God. Right? So there's cares for this world. And then there are also desires that are born out of the false premise and promise that material possessions present. There's a desire for the superficial, for the carnal, for the material, for anything and everything that glitters, that appears to be good, but isn't God. Right? The problem is that these thorns that we allow in our lives. It's interesting, but when the Lord Jesus says, when he alludes to thorns here, he's talking about bramble bush. And these were bushes that grew in, in they still grow to this day in Israel. The thing about bramble bushes is this, that these bushes, they overtake an entire field if you don't deal with them. They will literally overtake an entire field. They will grow until you cut them. That should speak to some of us. 
The thing about these bramble bushes is that the way that they choked out the life of vegetation wasn't necessarily by wrapping themselves around the vegetation. What bramble bushes do is they overtake vegetation to such an extent that they cover it completely so no sunlight can enter in. And all of a sudden, the vegetation begins to die. In other words, these desires, right, these ways of the world that we hold on to still overshadow us to such an extent that there can be no entrance of light to nurture the word. We reject it. We shy away from God. Oh, we're, we're good to quote the word. We're good to talk it. We're good to dress the part. We rejoice at the truth. We hold on to the promises of God. We declare the promises of God. We remind ourselves, watch what you confess. Watch what you say. The power of life and death is in the tongue. But what's the power of the tongue? It's what you believe. And so, that was free, by the way. That wasn't in my notes. The good ground. The good ground alludes to the person who understands the truth. That here's what they understand about the truth. Number one, it is the truth. Number two, I'm responsible to apply what I understand. And because they understand the truth, and they are the person who hears and continues to hear and continues to glean and continues to nurture their ground, this person grows and produces much fruit. So as we're each considering the parable of the sower and the conditions of the ground, as we're looking at our own dirt, we need to take note that essentially... All the soil is the same. Here where I'm coming from with this. The difference between these soils is what's been added to them and how they've been cultivated. They're all dirt. It's what you do with the dirt. Which leads me to this point. We are each the cultivators of our soil. We are each the cultivators of our soil. Which leads us to another question, not just how's your dirt, what are you doing with your dirt? What are you doing with it? See, how you and I care for our heart and our life will determine the life we grow. We should be challenged by this and at the same time encouraged. If your heart is hard, your faith is shallow, or something is choking the life out of you, it's not too late to change. Why? Because today herein we have a message from the heart of God that says, dig into your dirt and make whatever changes you need to make from this point forward. That's a good God. That's a good God. I said that's a good God. He loves us to such an extent that he points us to truth. Right? Because he wants each and every one of us to produce great fruit. Right? So I want to propose to you some things for reflection, but also for application. Because we have to do something with our dirt. We can't hear about the responsibility that we hold to cultivate our own soil 
to participate with God and not do something. We have to do something. Something has to change. A decision has to be made. From this day forward, we cannot leave the same. Why? Because we have heard the word of God. We have heard the heart of God. So let me get out of the way and point you back. The first point that I want to propose to you here is that you and I must be willing to get dirty to become good dirt. You must be willing to get dirty to become good dirt. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? The parable teaches us that the truth in God's word is not merely for the purpose of being heard. It must be understood and applied for reproduction. So if the truth is to be understood, we must be willing to get our hands dirty by digging into our hearts and assessing our condition. You got to dig in. I propose to you again the question, how's your dirt? How's your dirt? Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says. This is God speaking. It says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Are you actually in this walk of faith? He says, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed... You are disqualified. In other words, what he's saying here is if you're just walking around kind of happenstance through life, it's like blase, blase, yeah, I love Jesus. If we don't walk with an awareness and a revelation and an understanding that this life of Christ is an entirely new life, that we're no longer living our lives, we're living his life. If we're not taking this seriously, He's saying, listen, you need to examine yourself and test if that's where you really are because if you aren't, you'll disqualify yourself. Sobering words, strong words if you think about it. But we have to dig into our own dirt. We have to test where we really are. And that requires breaking ground past the surface, past what we present, what we tell ourselves, and what we tell others. We must expose ourselves before God. We must be willing to confront and accept the truth about what we just realized today. How's your dirt? You know what's one of the best ways to get dirty? And if the shoe fits, please don't wear it. It is time to change it. One of the best places to start in getting dirty is to open up your word and get the dust off of it. It's one of the best ways. It's one of the best ways. Listen, we got to go into the word of God. Friend, do you not realize that this is not a book? Do you not realize that what you possess and what you hold is the living word of God? It's a direct conversation 
a communication to you and I individually and corporately. It is a call and a cry, one in the same. It is a challenge and it is a revelation of how we are supposed to relate to God and how we are to live our lives in this world. You know, many people get excited about when Jesus said, oh, your kingdom come, your will be done on an earth as it is in heaven. And we, yes, Lord, please. But the kingdom comes as we begin to take this word for what it is, God's word. And we begin to live according to this word. Amen. got to test ourselves we got to dig into our dirt because once we do that we can then take the next step lamentations uh, chapter 3 verse 40 and 41 says let us search out and examine our ways watch this and turn back to the Lord get this you cannot turn back to the Lord if you do not examine your ways you can't get past first base if you are not willing to turn the corner and go to second. Something has to change. Verse 41. He says, let us lift our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. Here it is, God. Here's where I'm at. This is the truth. And here's the responsibility that I accept. I got to do something with this. When we're honest about where we are and turn to God with a willing heart to change, we then begin to walk upon a path to becoming good ground because we've removed the greatest obstacle of all. Notice that in the hard ground, the obstacle is you and I. It's the lies that we tell ourselves that don't allow us to take the next step to understand. The second point I want to propose to you here for reflection and application is that you must commit yourself to the seed and trust God's process for it to grow. We must commit ourselves to the seed and trust God's process for it to grow. Friend, listen, one of the most frustrating aspects of growth through God's word is our desire to understand how it's supposed to work. What do you mean the word of God works in my heart? How does this actually, what's step A and step B and step C and step D? How do I make this work for God is what we're saying. In other words, our confidence isn't in what the word of God declares is truth. Our confidence is in what I got to do. That's religion. That doesn't work. God has not called you and I to be robots. If you're of the opinion that God is sovereign and it's all according to his sovereignty, so because God is sovereign, then everything in my life is under his control. Hear me, friend. That means you're a robot. That means you have no say and no part to play in what God calls us to do. That means that God is the seed 
and the dirt at the same time. And according to what we see in the scripture, God is not the dirt. Which tells us something. It challenges us to realize, man, I play a part in this. And while God is sovereign, God is sovereign to his word. And many of the messes that we experience in life are because we mucked up the dirt to begin with. So, let me ask you a question because I know it gets frustrating sometimes. Sometimes in, you know, this process of growing and we go, I don't understand. What is God doing? Or why is it not working? Or I'm hearing the Bible and I'm studying the Bible, but nothing seems to be happening. Let me ask you, do you understand the process by which a plane leaves the ground and remains suspended in the air? Do you think about that when you get in a plane? No. No, we don't. You know what we do? We jump in the plane and we trust we're going to fly. Let me ask you another question, friend. Do you understand the process by which your lungs operate, by which you breathe air, and how that air then translates into your blood system and it sustains your entire life? Do you even think about that on a daily basis? No, absolutely not. It's ludicrous that we would think that. You know why? Because we trust that it works. My friend, listen to me. We put faith if I could say this respectfully, sometimes we put faith in some of the stupidest things. Think of it this way. You trust the chair to be there. You trust the car to turn on. You trust the check to come. The problem is that while you trust that process, we don't trust God. Hear me, friend. In the same way that we put faith in some of those most inconsequential things, we should realize that God necessitates that we commit our complete trust to the power of his word to work in us. Why isn't it working, my friend? Obviously, you're not at the stage of good ground. There's no condemnation in that. So let's look to the scriptures, to the words of Jesus himself, as to how this seed works, how this is supposed to work. In Mark chapter 4, verse 26, the Lord Jesus says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow and he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. I want you to see that the word of God always works. Always. Always. It always works. And the wise farmer is the one who's not concerning with him, himself with putting God in a box. 
He trusts the seed and the sower who sowed it. And he believes, God, your word is true. Your word will not fail. Your word will produce. God, in due season. I trust in your process of seasons. Listen, the scripture tells us that to everything in life, there is a time and a season. Book of Ecclesiastes tells us that. But it talks about seed, time, and harvest. And everybody rejoices at seed in the kingdom. And everybody rejoices at harvest. But how many of us are willing to praise God in between in the season of time? See, our concern with God's process should not be on if God's word works in us. It should be on if we allow it to work. Will you allow it to work? See, that requires a willing heart. A willingness to break ground. A willingness to be open. A willingness to be diligent and determined, a willingness to dig into the dirt, a willingness to get past the surface, a willingness that no matter what comes, come hell, come high water, come demon, come devil, come person, come situations, no matter what, I stand on the word of God. I will remain committed to the word of God. I will trust God through this process, and I know that he is faithful. He's never let me down. If he did it before, he'll do it again. He's still the same God of yesterday. He's still the same God today. He's still the same God forevermore, and so I will stand, and after I've stood, I'll continue to stand some more. What we see is that here's how growth begins. Jesus said it's first the blade. Do you realize that the blade is just a small, small, small little thing? It's just a small little part of the bigger picture that begins to break ground. And oftentimes we overlook the blade because we say, oh, that's not God. Listen, the fact that you made a decision for Christ is a beginning. The fact that you are beginning to change some things in your life in partnership with God is a beginning. The fact that your attitudes are beginning to change, the fact that the truth that you held to is actually being challenged, and you're going, well, maybe, maybe I'm actually wrong about this. That's blade material right there. That's beginnings. Something is working. Something is happening. Then there's the head. The head is maturity and transformation beginning to take place. There's a change in beliefs. There's a change in convictions. There's a change in priorities. There's a change in desires. Oh, man. Something's beginning to be transformed from the inside, and now it's beginning to blossom on the outside. It's evident. You know what happened in the beginning, in the first church, in the early church? That's when they began to call them Christians. That's when they began to call them Christians. The head. And then the Lord Jesus talks about the full head. 
The full head is the completion or the, 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 the stage of maturity where you're not just grown, where you're not just growing, but now you're sharing and reproducing. It's a stage of ripeness. You rejoice at the fact of being a blessing. You rejoice at the fact of sharing your faith. You relish and crave the opportunities to pour into the lives of others. To help others grow up themselves. You're all about duplicating the process of growth into the lives of others. My friend, there's a process to growth. God's word works. You know, I am no better than anyone. None of us are better than anyone here. According to the scripture, we're all ground. And I know this, that God did not create dirt for the purpose of it not reproducing. In other words, God's intentions for your life are still true. His purposes for our lives are still true. There is still potential in each and every one of us to grow. But I will say this to you, my friend. You've got to allow the word of God to become the very foundation of your life. As I said, I'm no better than anyone. I am simply a product of digging dirt. I like dirt. I like getting money in it. I like playing in dirt. I like eating from dirt. You know why? Because it's in the dirt that the details of God's word work. Dig into the word of God. Can I say this here in this house of church at the bridge? I'm going to take some liberty and I'm going to be a little strong in what I'm going to say. There should be not one of us that leaves here that doesn't go back and studies the word for himself based upon what I said here. It is unacceptable to leave a gathering of believers and not study what you've, what you've been taught for yourself. It is unacceptable. That is not the way of God. We are each to dig into the word, to study the word and show ourselves approved. Dig into your dirt. The last point I want to leave you with here is that you cannot pull yourself out of out from where God has planted his word and expect to grow. You cannot pull yourself out from where God has planted his word and expect to grow. Doesn't work. By way of example, we have two references in scripture that I want to point to about where God plants his word, about where the word of God works. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He's chewing on the word. 
This person is considering the word. This person is weighing what life may throw at them in light of the word. They are filtering life through the word of God. This meditation isn't about you doing something super religious. This is about you living life through the word of God and you extrapolate everything that you're supposed to experience from life from the word of God. You take every circumstance and you filter it through the word. Is this what God is telling me to do? Is this true? Is this right? What decisions should I be making based on the examples that I have in the scripture? That's the person who's meditating on the word day and night. But watch the promise. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings fruit in its season. Somebody needs to hear this because you've been living this way. Hold on. Your season is coming. Don't give up. Watch this. Whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper stay planted daily stay planted in that meditation in the word Ephesians 4 15 and 16 but speaking the truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ this is talking about the church as a whole from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. The church is not a place we attend. The church is ground from which we grow. And I'm going to just call it like it is, man. I'm going to just call it like it is. The church is hurting. The body of Christ is hurting, but here's the thing, it's hurting itself. Let me tell you why I say that. Because there's too many people that say, well, I don't get what I need there. I don't feel loved. I don't feel like, 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 like I'm not getting enough. Well, wait a minute. Your job is to sit at the table and eat. The Lord sets the table. I want you to consider this, my friend. That it is high time that we as believers take the responsibility and the privilege that we have seriously. It is our job to be good dirt. To cultivate our ground. To position ourselves to receive. Week in and week out, I come here, and here's my confidence. <laughs> Not in anything I say. My confidence is in the living word of God and the Holy Spirit who teaches us. Don't you look at Pastor Jose. Don't you look at Pastor Annette. Don't you look at this building. No, what you need to see is we're in the middle of a move of God. I can't speak for any other house, but in this house, here's the commitment that I've put before the Lord, man. When I finally accepted this is what it is, I said, Lord, I am committed to only teach your word. Amen. Only teach your word. Why? Because God's desire 
my desire as your pastor is to see you grow. To be that church in Ephesians 4 that builds itself up and isn't waiting to be told, start building. That isn't waiting to be useful in the body. That isn't waiting for somebody to massage their emotions. It is high time, ladies and gentlemen, that we begin to grow. Would you stand with me today? I want you to declare this with me. We're making a declaration before heaven, before God himself. Come on, raise your hands with me. Reach out to heaven. Declare this with me. I am good ground. I am ground that produces much fruit that is useful in the hands of the sower. Therefore, I accept the seed of God's word. I declare it is powerful. I declare it is working in my life. And I declare that I am growing, that I am maturing, that I am adding to the body of Christ. And I am making a difference in the lives of others. Never again will I turn back. Never again will I be bad dirt. From this day forward, I am good ground in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on now. Hey, friends. Maybe just maybe there's someone joining us here, or maybe you're online. And in the hearing of today's message, you're challenged. You're challenged because you're realizing that your problem has never been God. But I want you to also realize, my friend, that you are not a problem for God. Oh, you're worth it. You are so worth it. Somebody needs to hear that. You are so worth it to God. And today, he's, he's, he's sifting your dirt. Man, he's, he's digging into your heart, but he's not hurting you. It might hurt. It might challenge you. You might even be upset. But friends, understand this, that breaking ground is never easy. It's for your benefit. Today, my friend, if you believe that you've had a personal encounter with God, then I want to encourage you to recognize this. That because you are so worth it to God that he spoke to you today, you must understand that he loved you so much that he dealt with the greatest issue in all dirt. It's a contaminant. It's called sin. It's not actions. It's not behaviors. Those are the fruits of sin. 
Sin is a nature. It is an identity. It is a, it is a way of being apart from God. But when you begin to accept the truth that you need God, then you come to understand this, that because mankind messed it all up to begin with, it would take a man to fix it. And because you and I can't complete the job, God said, I'll come and become just like one of them. I'll pay the price for sin. I'll die on a cross, shed my blood, and then I will rise again three days later because my sacrifice is not one meant to be in the ground. My sacrifice is one that's meant to spring up. And so he rose from the dead to prove he's God, but to prove that you can rise too, my friend, to prove that you can blossom. If you believe that today with us, my friend, if you believe that, won't you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior today? If you're making that decision today in this house, in person, if you're online, wherever you are, I want you to extend your hands to heaven. There's no shame in that. Nobody's, nobody's looking down upon you. Today we are declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord and we are on a path to bearing much fruit. You accept Christ with us today. Let's pray this together. If you're online, let us know your decision. If you're here in the house, please stop by our, our, our welcome area. We want to connect with you as well. Let's pray this together as we close. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sin. And I believe that you rose again. To prove that you are God. To prove that I can rise too. Today I declare, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And from this day forward, I thank you for a new life. I thank you for much fruit. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.